Thank you, worship team, for leading us in song and for um, introing the words that we'll hear in Psalm 145, as well as Numbers chapter 8. So I invite you to open your Bibles with me to those two passages. Uh, Numbers 8, verses 23 through 26. So that's right towards the beginning of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And I'm going to guess that it's probably not as much of a familiar text as perhaps some of the words of Psalm 145. The Psalms are kind of right in the middle of your Bible, um, so easy enough to find those there. And we've already heard one of the most famous verses of Psalm 145, one generation um, shall proclaim your works to the next. Uh, but we also hear a refrain from the Old Testament echoed again in that chapter. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. These will be our two texts this morning as we continue to um, think about hospitality. But this is a different angle, perhaps, to think of hospitality with. What does it look like, not just to open our homes and our schedules and our lives, but the generational hospitality from one generation to the next? How do we uh, make that type of room? How do we make that type of movement? So we'll hear two passages from the Old Testament, but keeping in the keeping in mind that what we see good in the Old Testament, we see perfected by Christ, who hands things from one generation down to the next. Before we read, both from Numbers 8 and Psalm 145, though, let's pray together. Lord, you are gracious and compassionate. You send your grace upon us. You show us your compassion, if we but would look for it and see it. You are slow to anger, and you are rich in love. And so, in your rich love, in your grace, in your compassion, may you open the scriptures to us this morning, that as we study your word together, as your people gathered here, that we might know you, and that we might have a sense of hospitality that we can share and receive from generation to generation. This we pray in the holy name of Christ our Lord. Amen starting with Numbers 8, verses 23 through 26. The Lord said to Moses, This applies to the Levites. Men 25 years old or more shall come to take part in the work at the tent of meeting. But at the age of 50, they must retire from their regular service and work no longer. They may assist their brothers in performing their duties at the tent of meeting, but they themselves must not do the work. This, then, is how you are to assign the responsibilities of the Levites. Leaving that curious text for a moment, I invite you to turn to Psalm 145. We'll just be reading the first eight verses of Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful, wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
There is a poster in the high school, Sunday school room and youth room of my home church. And of all the little things that our brains remember, I remember what was written on that poster. Tell me and I will forget. Show me and I might remember. Involve me and I will understand. Tell me, I'll forget. Show me, I might remember. Involve me and I will understand. That wasn't, I mean, it was a poster that I remembered. It was probably the only thing in the entire youth room that wasn't a Bible verse or something from uh, a retreat or something else. It was just a phrase of wisdom that stood by itself. But I realized that it wasn't just that I was drawn to it because it was pithy and full of wisdom, but it was what I experienced growing up. Some of you farmers or those who grew up on farms will know that if you are working up ground and you're inexperienced, you'll leave these little triangles of untilled ground because you're not all the way lined up as you make your turn, and you leave these little gaps between the end rows and the rest of the field rows, and it doesn't look great. And I will say that I left plenty of those as a kid, and I don't just say that because my parents are here. But I left those little gaps because I was still learning. Now, if my mom was working up ground, as she had done for decades, would she have left those gaps in the field? No. She knew how to make her turns and be lined up, so there wouldn't be those silly, weird-looking triangles between the end rows and the field rows. And some of you who are farmers, I know I'll just I'll invite you to judge me later for how many of those that I left. But isn't the point that all of us have to learn at some point? I was still in the tractor, still learning, still trying, not doing as good of a job as those who had been doing it for more years than I had been alive, but nonetheless learning. I remember one summer, my middle sister Jill and I were assigned to reshingle the barn roof. And very wise on my parents' part, they had us start with the side that doesn't face the road. Because there was at least two spots where our rows just kind of went together and then we're like, uh, Dad, what do we do now? And he's like, ah, just, just put some shingles on it, just keep going. And so we level across and keep going. We were a little bit better by the time we did the side that was facing the road, but not much. But we were learning. We were involved. We were understanding what went into it. And we were given that gift of experience because one generation was making some room for us to try something new, to practice, to learn. And yes, even being given the gift of failure, we could still learn from our mistakes because we were given the opportunity to make them. There was a different time when I was working on a project with some friends and a friend of mine who is only a few years younger than myself he and I were the young bucks, and we were ready to help, ready to jump in. And the person who was leading the project, and don't worry, this is no one here, so we don't have to be suspicious about what mission action trip or other thing this was. This was somewhere else. But the person in charge had all the plans in his head and knew exactly what we needed to do next. And we were not involved. And we were waiting and trying to make our way into this process. Please, help us help you tell us what to do next and but we're just kind of stuck what can we do next what can we do next oh well in just a minute and that was the end of the sentence not in just a minute i'll have you do that in just a minute and then eventually the uh, person who was in charge was complaining about oh i'm getting too old to work this hard and it's like well of course you are because you're not letting us do any of the work the young backs are waiting 
Hospitality of generations makes room for others to get involved. And a lack of generational hospitality leaves those who are willing to jump in, even eager to learn, to get their hands on the work, leaves them on the sidelines. Because tell me, tell me what to do, I'll forget. Show me, I might remember, but involve me. Make me a part of it and I will understand. And I will increase in my ownership of that project. This is generational hospitality. One generation with the wisdom and experience handing off to another generation. Giving them opportunity to step up and step into new roles, new levels of responsibility, new ways of service. Generational hospitality is a continuous succession plan. But not just to make the company more fruitful or anything else, but to pass along wisdom. We see this in Numbers 8, and we can get hung up on some of the details that are different. We don't just have the, the Levites, and 50 is not the retirement age, so no, for those of you who are nominated for consistory, uh, you can't use Numbers 8 and say, well, I'm over 50, so I'm clearly exempt. No, that is not a good excuse this round. But rather, in Numbers 8, we see a principle of those who have served in the temple for decades are told, hey, you are handing this off to those who are younger, who don't know what you know, who haven't done what you have done, who don't have the experience or the wisdom. But you're not getting kicked out of the way to abandon the work. Those Levites were still around to assist those who were 25 years old, who were stepping into this service at the temple, who were going to lead God's people in worship and in sacrifices. One generation makes a handoff to the other, and this is intergenerational hospitality. It is not wisdom being hoarded and kept to oneself, but rather it is those who are older and wiser, making space, making room, inviting in. It takes humility and hunger on both parties. It takes humility for those who are older to be able to let go and to say, I'm going to hand over this thing that I love and care about, and I'm going to give it over to the experience of those who don't yet know what they're doing. It also takes hunger, though. It takes hunger to see a generation that will continue on even after them. It takes hunger for a bigger picture than just, I know what I'm doing, they don't know what I'm doing, so let me do what I do. Hunger and humility. It also takes the hunger and humility of a younger generation to say, I want to be involved in this. I want to learn. I want to get my hands onto this. And it takes humility to know, I'm young. I don't yet know what I'm doing. I'm not going to do it as well as those who have been doing it for decades or, or a long, long time. It takes humility, but it also takes hunger to say, I have an appetite to take this on myself, to grow, to increase in my responsibilities, my service, and then in the wisdom that I received from one generation, at some point, I then will be handing it off to another. And so holding on to the principle of Numbers chapter 8, that all of the work at the tent of meeting was started with one generation, and then as they got older and wiser and they, as they accumulated their experience, they were to retire and, and from their regular service and work no longer, but they may assist their brothers in performing their duties at the tent of meeting, but they don't do the work. Generational hospitality is the continuous handoff. And when we are hungry and humble for this type of hospitality, the best wisdom 
of the experienced generations will be handed off to the best of those who are hungry and humble to step in and step up. Intergenerational hospitality. And this is what Psalm 145 speaks of. One generation commends your works to another because it's not just about the work and the service that we do, but it is about our faith. One generation commends your works to another because consider that if one generation did not commend the works of God to another, then none of us would be in this room right now and this building would not exist if it all just stopped. One generation hands off to another and to another and to another. And that leads us all the way from Jesus, from his death and resurrection, when he died for our sins upon the cross and when he rose again from the empty grave for our salvation. That story of salvation, what Christ has done for us, for his kingdom breaking into the world, that has been handed down from generation to generation to us today. And if it hadn't been given from one generation to the next, we would not be here and this building would not exist. To practice hospitality is to put the gospel into practice, which includes even the simple, obvious, yet crucial step of proclaiming who God is from one generation to the next. To take all that we know and to pass it on. This is intergenerational hospitality. And the principle we see in Numbers and the fruit of it that we see in Psalm 145 of course, Jesus perfected this, didn't he? Think about how Jesus died for us and rose again. And yet the keys of the kingdom, this message of salvation, Jesus didn't keep his earthly body here for the next 2,000 years to tell us individually what to do, but rather he handed it over to his disciples. He said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church. He gave the message of salvation to us, his people to continue to pass it on from one generation to the next. None of us are as wise as Jesus or better than Jesus. And the amount of trust that Jesus would hand over this message, this salvation, this kingdom to us is both humility and trust, but also hunger to see one generation continue on to the next. Friends, if you are on the older and wiser, who is it that you are passing along to? Not just saying, I know how to do it better than them. It'll take too long to explain it. Just let me do it. Who are you passing your wisdom along to? And those who are younger, where is it that you are looking to step up and step in? Where is it that we say, I want to learn. I want to be involved there so that I don't just become a passive recipient of what's happening, but that I can actively engage one generation to the next. And there's an appreciation for that type of work in the psalmist, in the words of starting at verse five, they speak, but then followed with, and I will. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They speak of it, I heard it, and I will meditate upon what they said. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. What is it that they did that then will cause me to say, and I will do this? We as a church are intergenerational and blessed for it. And with the hunger and humility of hospitality from generation to generation, we continue to pass along what we have learned. And what's a little bit scary about that is if you give something over to someone else, 
they might do it differently. They might not do it as well as you did. And that's scary. And that's hard. But you can assist them in it. And for those who are coming up and stepping in, there has to be a value and appreciation that we look up and say, I am so grateful for those who have gone ahead. But then to say, and now it's my turn. Hospitality creates the space where one generation receives from another. And we could trace our faith all the way back to the first apostles, one generation at a time, who have handed over to us the message of salvation, who have given different ideas over the years of how do we practice hospitality and share the gospel with the community around us. The harvest feast is 15 years old. The gospel is far older than that. But there's always going to be new and different ways of saying this is what God has done. This is the love that God has shown us. How can I show it in my day to my generation, to my cohort? This is generational hospitality. One at a time. One at a time. And what we see perfected in Christ is this message of salvation. Not that we do that work. Don't take that upon ourselves. But we are those who share it. Because Peter and Thaddeus and Bartholomew and Andrew and Simon and Paul, all of them have passed away. And now, as we think 2,000 years ago to, from today, it's our turn to continue this work in the big picture and in the little picture. Tell me, I'll forget. Show me, and I might remember. Involve me, and I will understand. Friends, both young and old, involve one another that we might understand each other well and practice hospitality so that one generation may commend the works of our Lord and proclaim his salvation to the next. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, for the gifts that you have given each of us, for the wisdom, for the experiences, for those particular spiritual gifts that you have blessed us with. Help us in all of our days, in all of our years, to use them well. And help those of us who are young to appreciate and to look up and to learn from those who have gone before us, to, to cherish their wisdom and to internalize it and ask God, now how can I, how can I continue on? And for those who are old and full of years and wisdom and have seen much, Lord, give a person or an example where that wisdom can be passed on, where involvement from one generation to the next can be shared and cherished and celebrated. And this, Lord, not just for the continuation of a church or a program, but for your kingdom purposes, for your gospel message to be proclaimed from one to the next. May we make room in our homes for guests, in our schedules for service, but may our hospitality also be from generation to generation, from one age group to the next, where a little bit of space is made for involvement, for sharing, and for passing on and along, that we may look at those who have gone before us and all that they spoke of and all that they told us, and that we may meditate upon it and proclaim your great deeds from one generation to the next. Lord, for this we give you thanks and pray for wisdom in how we practice our hospitality. And in your holy name we pray, amen.